Welcome to Women Igniting Change, the place to be for women leaders and decision makers who are passionate about changing the world and determined to act. I'm your host, Robin Jorgensen, former corporate executive, global speaker, and founder and CEO of Women Igniting Change. Let's dive in. Hello, changemakers. Welcome back to the Women Igniting Change podcast. Today, I have the privilege of introducing you to Susanna Wilford. Susanna is an internationally renowned expert on women in politics, and she's trained over 25,000 women across the U.S. how to run for office. She received the Hills Changemaker Award for 2023. She is a Forbes 50 over 50 honoree and the John W. Kirkendall Award for Community Service. And she's also the CEO and founder of Running Start. Susanna, welcome to, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Robin. I'm excited yeah, I'm, to talk to you. I'm excited to dive into this. So let's start with some really great news. Yes. St. Paul, Minnesota made history this week by swearing in an all-female, very diverse city yeah. council. What message do you think this sends not only to women who are looking to run for office, but to the rest of the country? Oh my gosh. I, I don't even think it's just the rest of the country. I think it's the rest of the world. I'll take I that. Mean, we have listeners in 30 countries. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I wanted to say one thing. You said we train 25,000 in this country, but we actually have a lot of international um, young women as well. Um, okay. So St. Paul, um, I, I think anytime we do something in politics that shows that it doesn't just have to be status quo, that we are capable of making change and change that is going to really resonate in communities, um, I think that it sends those ripples all over the country and all over the world. And I really like what these women did in, in, in St. Paul. They were intentional about it. They realized that it might happen. They worked together. Like that was one of my favorite things. Like it was a message of we are going to work together to make this happen and then to create change in, in the way that we legislate. And so, um, and the fact that they're incredibly diverse and of course I'm excited about the fact that they are young women. Is it right? Am I right that they are all under 40? They're all under 40. Yes. Yeah, I mean. Amazing. So, so before I began um, running Start, I founded or I co-founded um, the Women Under 40 Pack to get more under 40 women into Congress. Um, so I am such a believer in let's get women in young so that they can rise up um, and, you know, they'll have real seniority one day, which women don't always have because we start in politics so late. Yep. So in dedicating your career to empowering young women to pursue political leadership, what was the pivotal moment or experience that inspired you to start this to begin with? So um, I actually have given that a lot of thought, you know, over the years, you know, what was it that, that yeah. made me um, sort of choose this to do with my life? And I, I actually think that there are a lot of answers and there are a lot of people who pushed me on the way. Um, but I was thinking the other day, it's so funny, just two days ago, um, I, I was thinking about how in high school um, I ran for student government. Uh -huh. And um, I know a lot of people run for student government. It's a very common thing. But um, I um, had transferred to a new high school. I was uh, in the 10th grade. And in my old high school, I was the kind of kid who was bullied, who never spoke mm -hmm. up. I mean, who just tried to be invisible. Nose down. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went to this new high school and I was able to have a, a clean slate, you know, like a new start. And my friends encouraged me to run for student government. 
And it's just, I mean, the idea that they saw me that way was really life-changing. And I hadn't thought about it until the other day that, um, you know, the fact that I went in one year from being somebody who's just like, you know, don't look at me to standing up in front of my class and giving the speech. And, and the reason I think that that's a piece of Running Start's origin story is that a lot of what we do is we encourage and support people's dreams. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, but it sounds a little bit like a, I don't know, like, we'll give you affirmations. But really, when you're trying to do something that other people haven't done, you're trying to do something where often there isn't such a path. I need people to say, I believe that you can do it. I believe in you. And, And so I think that that's having somebody believe in me at such an early age. It's almost like I never looked back. I'm like, I can be someone different. And these people believe that I can do it. Yeah. Borrowing others' belief in you until you can find that belief in yourself. Yeah, I like that. Yes, that's, I think that's right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So your work with Running Start is taking you around the world, speaking Mm -hmm. to young women and girls about women's leadership and politics. What are some Mm -hmm. of the common themes that you hear? Um, Well, I mean, first, it's one of the greatest things, um, sort of the surprises in my life that my work helping domestic women get into politics has meant that I've been able to travel the world. Um, The State Department sends U.S. speakers abroad, and I've been to maybe 15 different countries through through that and other programs. Um, And I have been I've spoken in front of very diverse audiences. So two that I can just think of off maybe I should tell you three. Um, One was um, a classroom of young students in um, Moscow. Um, One was um, a group of um, Sri Lankan villagers who lived in this place that was barely accessible by road. And, um, and, and then um, I spoke to Bedouin women um, in Israel um, back in 2011. So, I mean, I'm, but of course, then I'm also speaking in, um, in Brussels to very sophisticated women, but wherever I go, whenever I'm speaking to women, the problems are the same. The obstacles are the same. And it's just so fascinating to me. And, and what of course is true is some of those external factors that keep women out of leadership are very different in, in, you know, around the world, but the internal um, hesitancy towards leadership or that feeling of, I don't know if I'm right for this because nobody's ever told them that they're right for it. And they don't have a lot of role models. That is just, um, you see that all around the world. And I, I, I always feel such commonality with the women of the world because we're all dealing with the same, the same thing. We find that too in the women's leadership programming that we do globally. Women yeah. are women are women. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. 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 So I caught an interview that you did with Soledad O'Brien, where you said that women don't see power as a place where we belong. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? And how is Running Start trying to address that? So I spoke to a um, a class at Middlebury College yesterday, and um, I was asking one of the women, you know, why do you think that women aren't, we don't share power equally with men? And right. And she said something that I feel like I don't hear very often, but it's just such an obvious thing, which is we haven't been even in even capable of seeking power for for that long. So, you know, if you think women have the right 
right? Women have had the right to vote and um, and to run for office since like 1920 um, in the U.S. And it seems like a really long time, but then in the scope of history, it's just a blink of an eye. And so we are still figuring out what those paths are. We're still trying to sort of reprogram ourselves. You know, women were, we had so few rights just not that long ago. And now we want to be equal in all things and not just have, have rights, but we want to be able to write the laws, to make the, um, help to craft the system that we all live by. And it, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a big jump. So I always think that we should, we should be patient with ourselves. Like, okay, so we wish that all women were like, of course I can lead and I can do this and, um, and hard charging, but really, I think we need to be patient with ourselves and understand, um, we have not women in history have not even had the opportunity for power for very long. And we're, we're in a, we're in an arc going upward, but yeah, you know, we're still not totally there. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the St. Paul example for just mm -hmm. a moment. And I'm sure you see this across the board with the women that you help get into government seats, you know, reading through some of the comments, um, and you know, there's going to be detractors in any type of situation, mm -hmm. but reading through some of those comments, that they were male comments that they were feeling that now they're not represented <sighs> or that I know, I know, or, you know, mm -hmm. it's not diverse because white male are not on, you know, the city council. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you had it for 200 years. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> like, how do you, how do you, um, how do you navigate those type of comments and how do you train the women that you work with to navigate those kind of comments? You know, one of the things that I, um, I do pull out when I'm speaking to men who, who make comments like that is that if you have diverse leadership, it's better for everybody. Right. So, you know, those homogeneous, um, decision makers, they're not making decisions that actually are the strongest for the community. So, right. You know, throw in some different thinkers and people of different backgrounds. Diversity of thought, right? Yeah, diversity of thought is so incredibly important and yeah. does help. And um, so, yeah, and and your point that um, that men have been in those positions forever it makes me think about the Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote when she was asked how many women should be on the Supreme Court and she said nine. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so I I think. To be honest, like if we want to have the best system, we would have a balance, okay. you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny because even talking about a gender balance now, like gender is so uh, fluid right now and in, in, especially in this country, yeah. um, but having a real balance of different types of thinkers. So right. um, yeah, I think that that's, that is what we have to strive for. And it doesn't mean we have to have all women or all diverse women, but it just means let's get new people into power who have not had the opportunity to show us, show us how they would do it. Yeah. So let's dive into your programming a little bit. So in your programs, you help these young women work on their confidence, their mm -hmm. capabilities, and you also connect them to people with power. Yeah. So how does that approach serve them in running for office and how does that spill over into other aspects of their life? Oh, yeah. No, that, that's a great question. And um, so Running Start, our um, whole mission is we want women to know that they can run for office and we want to give them, you know, the, the skills and the, the preparation so that they can do it. But, you know, what do you need to run for office? You need to know how to do public speaking. You need to know how to connect to people, um, how to 
take the things you're passionate about and um, get other people to believe in them and to articulate them, you know, well enough so other people will will follow you. Um, and those, of course, are leadership skills that you need no matter what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so we um, we found that so we have lots of different programs. Some are a semester long. Um, one of our programs called Elect Her is just a day long, and we found that that day long program can be as effective as the semester long program. Wow! And it's really because sometimes, like what happened to me in tenth grade, where somebody's like, "You know what? You should run for office." Oh, by the way, I didn't win that election. I should have said that. I did not win. Oh. And it didn't even matter because I was so proud of myself because yeah. I stood up there. And so the women who come to Running Starts programs, um, many of them, they have big ideas. They want to change the world. They want to you know, do something with their lives, but they don't feel like other people are going to accept it or they don't feel like they're able to be themselves. And so we give them that permission. And so... Um, that day long program, which is really only like three hours, they come up with some, not come up with, but they articulate something they're passionate about. They do an elevator speech about it. And then they, with the other women in the room, they practice giving the elevator pitch and we do a campaign simulation. So they have to stand up, say their name, tell the group what Mm -hmm. they're passionate about, um, and then ask people to vote for them. And it, that's, you know, I mean, it's a simulation, right? Like we're just in a little classroom, but it is so transformational. And Robin, um, so obviously, or maybe not obviously, but Running Start works with young women, 13 to about um, 25 or 30. But every once in a while, I get asked to speak to a different group. And I spoke to um, a local synagogue and all of the women were like in their 70s and 80s. And they got so much out of it because I made them do this. I made them like, you know, stand up and give speeches. And a couple of them were like, well, I'm not doing it. Like, well, you, you really, you know, you should really try. And one of those women won the whole campaign simulation. Wow. So I just, I think there is so much power in doing these things that we're so scared of. And especially when it's, it's really putting yourself on the line. Like yes. you're, you're showing like, what do you care about the most? And why are you a good person to be a change maker in that area? Yeah, it's really building that internal, um, it, not only the confidence, but your your sense of self. Yeah. And having that be so much stronger than any yeah. noise that's going to come at you that could be negative. I think so too. You know, I, I've thought about that so much. And um, when somebody else believes in you, you know, what you were saying earlier, I, you sometimes need other people to believe in you before you figure out how to believe in yourself. Yeah. And if you think about like, you know, what are the things that, that create a successful life? Like resiliency is absolutely one of them. Yes. And that's the path to resiliency. Sometimes you need somebody to say, Robin, I think you're really good at this and you should do this thing. And then, and then once you, you've sort of feel solid in your sense of self, you're kind of unstoppable. Right. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about um, the diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that nonpartisan approach um, and in, empower yeah. women from diverse ideological backgrounds? Um, yeah, I, I love that question. Um, so I'll tell you a slightly negative thing, which is that it's gotten harder since 2016. Um, yeah. You know, the country is more um, polarized and it's it's been a little bit harder. 
But one of the things we've done since our founding in 2007 is we bring diverse groups together. We talk to them about the importance of listening and being open to other viewpoints, not because you're going to change your mind. You know, it, we, we know that it's incredibly difficult to say, to change somebody's mind on an issue, but just why don't you be curious about why this person feels the way that they do? And I think that that's the key to creating um, a better political landscape is if we actually see each other as people and listen and try and be curious about where, where do these beliefs come from? Because nobody, you know, the vast majority of people who disagree with you, they're not doing it because they don't like you or they're, they're trying to be disagreeable, terrible people. They believe as firmly as you do about, about, you know, the way an issue should be. So um, we try through a number of exercises to foster that environment so that um, it's a safe space to listen and to air your beliefs, even if maybe nobody else in the room believes what you believe, um, you're going to feel safe doing it. But yeah, a little bit harder since 2016. Yeah. I was trying to look over on my, my wall. I have a picture of myself and Dan Rather holding his book and I can't no. see I don't remember the title, yeah. but it was something around when you get below the, how we approach the topics, we're more alike underneath than, yeah. than not. Yeah. Um, so we all want the same things. We just go at it different ways. Yeah. And so just get just to the point of that. Start yeah. there. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, one of our programs, um, we're doing it slightly differently these days, but one of our programs, we um, have put people in a house together. And it was um, originally, it was four Democrats and four uh, Republicans. And, you know, then you're really, you're forced to see people as people and to, mm-hmm. to um, dig deeper. And I feel like Congress used to be like that. Like they would get to know each other as people and maybe they wouldn't, di- they wouldn't agree on policy, but they would still go out to dinner together. And sadly, yeah, but it's yeah. that the whole system has changed as yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I, I make up that the more women we get in mm-hmm. the seats of power, the more that that civility will start to return. I, I yeah. hope so. I, yeah, I, I really, I hope so. And, you know, the, um, one of my favorite examples of that is, um, the men play, um, you know, they have these big softball games, um, in Congress and the men play Democrats versus Republican Congress people, men. Um, but the women all play on the same team and they play against the women in the press. So it's just kind of, it's kind of nice. And, um, I've heard several stories from Congresswomen saying, um, you know, I don't, I don't believe in her, what she, uh, her policy views, but we're great friends because we play on the softball team together and, you know, they get to see each other as, as people. And just personally, um, running start has, a, a really diverse network and I, well, it's, it's diverse in all ways, but ideologically diverse network of people. And so I practice that all the time in my own life. And, you know, that's, that's the way it should be, right? We have, right. we have friends and colleagues from all different, yeah, um, all different types of people. Well, I think, like you said, maintaining that curiosity is key because yeah. you can get triggered, especially in today's, you know, media. Yeah, yeah world here in the United States, yeah. we can get triggered pretty quickly. And to take a step back and wait a minute, get curious, what's yeah. a perspective other than looking at it through your own lens. Yeah. Um, and we all need to do a little bit more of that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into the global aspect a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we have listeners in 30 countries around the world. Mm-hmm. Can you discuss the global impact 
of running starts work, particularly in countries like Brazil, Kenya, and India, oh, yeah. where you've piloted programs of your curriculum. Yeah, I mean, we're so proud of that. So, um, so India is um, is fairly new, um, but Brazil and Kenya we did with um, the National Democratic Institute and this group called Women Win, and we we have just piloted the program, but it was a huge success. And the um, U.S. curriculum, I, I told you earlier, it really focuses on um, come up with what you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. practice messaging that and then stand up and, and give a speech and tell, tell the world what you think. And, um, sometimes culturally the same things don't, um, don't work, but it has worked really beautifully so far. So it's, uh, young women in, um, Brazil and Kenya, and the results were just totally fantastic. And it goes back to what we were talking about before that, around the world, we're not that different, right? You know, the things that are holding us back are not that different. And that's why our training works for a 13 year old and it works for an 80 year old and it works for, you know, a high school student in the U S and it works for a young girl in Kenya, um, you know, who's had a totally different life, but we're right. all trying to overcome the same things. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, in the U S we have a fairly strong, uh, feminist movement or, or women's rights movement. Um, in some countries they don't have that at all, or it's really, um, it's really underground. And so I think, um, when we get students from other countries or when we go to another country and do our training, it can be, you know, even more eye-opening than it is for the American young women, because, you know, they sometimes say, I've never heard these things before. Nobody has ever questioned the power structure in my country. Right. And um, I never thought that it could be somebody like me. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's incredible. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's, it just shows you um, we need so many groups doing this type of work, which is just holding people's hands and saying, you can do it. Cause I think a lot of people feel really alone. They have dreams, but they have no idea how they can make those dreams happen. And so you need people you need to create these groups that will, you know, be people in their corner to support them. Yeah. So the political landscape globally is evolving and changing almost on a minute by minute basis. Mm -hmm. um, and as well here in the U.S. Yeah. How do your programs adapt to ensure that the trainings remain relevant? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question because so we started in 2007 and our curriculum I'll tell you the ways that it has evolved, but yeah. the core has stayed the same. Okay. And the ways in which we've evolved, I think have less to do with, um, sort of the, what's happening, um, in the yes. world at large or, or the world in politics and more with our realization that we needed to do more to, um, create that sense of self that you and I were talking about earlier than we did in the beginning. So in the beginning we did a lot, it was, it was much more, um, about politics and leadership. And now we have sessions. One of our best sessions is, um, articulating your values. Mm. So we got this from this wonderful woman, Adrienne Christian, who, um, um, who's a chief of staff on the Hill. And she came in with this list of maybe 50, 60 values. Um, and you have to rank them and it's, it's everybody's favorite thing that we do because you really get to thinking about 
what is important in my life? What are the, you know, where, where are the places that I want to put my energy um, and my passion? So we, we do more things that are cultivating that inner self than we did before. Um, and then the, what we were just talking about in terms of um, fostering an environment where you can have difficult conversations yeah. um, that has evolved mainly um, we've done it since the beginning. It, the main way that it's evolved is um, it's become a little harder. So we've had to get a little smarter about how we do it. In what ways has it become harder? I think it's become harder. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, here's what I think. I think that sometimes in the country we feel like to be a good person, you need to be respectful and listen to other people. I think that um, we are at a point where that's not a given anymore, that even listening to somebody who has a different view is something that is a negative. Mm. So, so, you know, it used to be like, okay, I'll be a good person and listen. And now it's like that person, you know, even listening to them say it kind of puts me, me in jeopardy, which to me is, um, it's a really, um, bad trend because, right. um, if we close ourselves off and say, I know what I know, and I don't want to hear what anybody else knows, you know, you, you never get smarter. You, you miss so many things. And that leads to all the walls that we build, um, not just in politics, but in society in general. Yeah. 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 What are some surprising trends that you can share with our listeners around women yeah. stats or trends? Surprising trends. You know, I like to give you the positive stuff, but I have a, I have kind of a, <laughs> okay. Right. I mean, so I have a negative one and my caveat is that I have not looked at this in a few months and it's possible that it's changed. Okay. I should have looked at this before, but, um, wasn't thinking about it. Um, so what we think with progress is that it's this lovely line that, that, you know, we're always heading towards progress. Right. And so I started doing this work um, really in 1999 when I um, co-founded the Women Under 40 Pack with this amazing woman named Stacey Beckerman. It was actually her idea. Um, and then I'm still doing this work today. So it's a really long time. Um, we have, of course, had more women um, entering politics. I mean, the numbers in 1999 were pretty terrible. And, mm -hmm. and you know, we have Oh my gosh, it's a 28%. I think it's 28% women in Congress. Um, yeah. yeah, less than 30. But I mean, but we're, we're doing really well. But um, there are two things. One, in the past couple of years, we have plateaued. The, the numbers are not rising um, the way they should be or the way that they were in the earlier parts of at least my life. Um, but the, the thing that I actually think is more troubling is um, I looked um, a couple months ago to see how many women were running for office this year, especially because of Roe, right? So we had this, this decision that um, many women feel just viscerally about mm -hmm. and, you know, that it affects their lives. Um, and so it seems that that would be a real catalyst to all sorts of women who maybe have never thought of running for office before saying, I got to do it because this is, this is like affecting my life so directly and I have to do it. And at least a couple months ago, when I looked, there were fewer women running than in previous years. And that is a really scary trend. And, um, 
I read one political scientist, um, her opinion on this. And she said, um, I think every woman who would have run for office and been catalyzed, you know, by something like this, they already did in 2016 when Trump ran and there aren't any more women. And if you think about that, I'm not sure that's true, but, but if you think about that, it really makes a case for running start, right? Because if there aren't, if there aren't women who can be catalyzed by even enormous seismic shifts in, you know, protecting women's rights, we need to start earlier getting young women to, to see that politics is a place for them. Do you think that 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 trend of not as many women running is due to the last several years discourse in our country yeah. and, and the extreme polarization and division that we're now living under? Do you think yeah. that's a factor in that where they're like, yeah, no, peace out? Yeah, I, I, of course, I think it's a factor. I think that the media can be merciless to women in a different way um, than they are to men. Um, I think that, you know, it can be really hard to think you can run as yourself and people often don't want to run if they're not going to be able to, to be themselves. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of factors, but, you know, when, as we started the show talking about, um, what's happening in St. Paul, like that's incredibly hopeful because it just shows politics is unpredictable. You can say, okay, well, you know, it's, it's headed this direction, but then at the same time, it's also, um, there are also places where we're rising up and making strides in places that are surprising and amazing. So I think we have to, you have to look at the whole, um, the whole of politics and not just look at the negative. Yeah. So what is the impact on government and society at large when more women run for office? Oh my gosh. So there are great uh, studies internationally of, you know, when you have more women, GDP increases, violence decreases, um, um, corruption decreases tremendously. Some people say, well, if we ever do get parity and have the same number of men and women, then that's going to come right back up. But right now, that's not that's not the case. Um, and I, I also think, or I mean, this is so obvious, but when you have women in leadership, other women think, oh, I could do it because they have the role models, they have the examples. And so, you know, it's so interesting. Um, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens in St. Paul. I would think that a lot of young women are looking really carefully and saying, oh, you know, I'm a young woman. I'm yeah. a young woman of color. I could do this thing because look, here are these, here are these women. And, you know, I, I have people say all the time, um, well, I could never run for office. I could never do this. And they, they think that because there's absolutely nobody of their identity who's doing this, but you know, it's gotta be a first. Right. And, and then that first inspires so much, um, so many other people. And, and I always, um, you know, a lot of people wonder whether you should run for office if there's just no chance you could win. I was talking on a panel the other day and this young woman, what? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Right. But it, so this young woman was saying like, I live in this incredibly, um, um, Republican district and, but I'm a Democrat and I'm an LGBTQ woman. Um, and um, should I even think about doing it? And obviously that's, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, um, right. that uh, decision, but you know, if she does it, she's a beacon 
She's a yeah. beacon for other women like her that, okay, I'm not alone. And mm -hmm. even if she doesn't win, first of all, it's going to help her. She's going to feel like yeah. she's done something, but then, um, but then second, yeah, it really, it helps you inspire and it, it does help. I mean, okay. So the other thing is, so, so say she runs for, whoops, excuse me. I got too excited. Say she runs for office and um, she's running against sort of a traditional um, male candidate. Then he has to change the way he campaigns in order to, to reflect, you know, what she's bringing. So it, it really does, it has repercussions. And I always think, yeah, if you want to run for office and you've got a good reason to do it, then do it. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give young women who maybe don't have the opportunity to go through running starts programs that are considering running? What are some tangible key ad advice tips that you would give them? Um, first of all, there's so many training programs. Uh, they're just, I mean, there are um, lots of training programs and go out there and look in your community. There will be somebody who can help you um, mm -hmm. most likely. Um, but then the other thing is go, go do informational interviews with everybody you, you can, who, um, who you think can shed light on what this experience is like and might be able to help you. Uh, when I was in my, my teens and twenties, I never asked anybody for help because I thought that that was, I don't even know. What I, thought, I, I never did it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if you want to do this big thing, you're going to need to uh, bring, you're going to need to have a lot of supportive people around you. So work on building that network, not just of sort of mentors and interesting people who could directly help your career, but also find those peers who are going to be those people in your corner your kitchen cabinet, you know, the, the people who will say, I think you can do this and I'm going to help you to get there. Love that. So what can organizations and or individuals do to help your mission of contributing to that goal of greater gender balance in politics? You know, I, I think one of the big things is to take younger people seriously. You know, young people, um, they, I work so exclusively with, uh, with young people and I, I actually teach at American university. So I'm working with young men too, and they have so much to say. They have so many ideas about how we should be doing things differently. And it's very, very hard to get anybody to listen to them. So I think, you know, what I really like, I like when somebody's doing a panel or they're, um, they are having voices, um, speak about something to include young voices. So, because I think it's, it's not done. We, you know, think about everywhere on the news and, and at events and at conventions, like we tend to hear from the same types of people, yeah. but sometimes if you allow the younger generation to have a voice, it, you know, they, they can, they can provide that element that is missing of, okay, this is a truly new idea and this might be a catalyst to something great. Yeah, for sure. What are your long-term goals for Running Start? If you and I were sitting down yeah. years from now, 10 years from now, having a great glass of wine, what's transpired yeah. happened? Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll tell you what I want. Um, in 50 years, I would yeah. love for Running Start to be as ubiquitous as the Girl Scouts. Yeah. So, the, so everybody understands, okay, the Girl Scouts, it's all about like, let's help young girls become leaders. Mm -hmm. But even in the Girl Scouts, the Girl Scouts actually lately has been doing, um, doing more of this, but politics is not, it's not centered, you know, it's, it's sort of an afterthought and so many groups that are working on leadership for young girls. Nobody talks about politics, right? Ooh, politics. Like that's kind of, 
um, distasteful. So <laughs> I, I want to make young women learning about politics um, something that is everybody understands why it's so important. And, um, and you know, all the girls in the U.S. are like, well, of course I've got to do that. And then Robin, maybe 50 years is too long because then what I want is for, um, is for us not to need it because we have parity and young girls are like, well, of course I could do it. Why would, I don't need to go to a training. I, I know it, but yeah. we're not, we're not there. That's a beautiful vision. I'm going to hold that for you as well. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, so good. where can listeners learn more about Running Start? Um, they can go to runningstart.org and we have lots of programs. And if you're not, if you're over the age of 35, um, we have opportunities to mentor and to speak and to um, come to networking receptions where you can share your knowledge with the young women. So there, um, there are lots of opportunities and they can also email me at Susanna at runningstart.org. Beautiful. Susanna, thank you so much. This was incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Great questions. And uh, I appreciated being on the show. Yeah, for our listeners, we will have links to Running Start, Suzanne's bio, and all of the things in the show notes. And we will see you back here next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women Igniting Change. I know creating change matters to you. If you enjoy what we talk about on the show, please take one action today and share it with someone who could benefit from listening. Until next time, keep standing up and speaking out for what matters.